I, I believe that in 2022 and even the beginning of this year, 2023, if we're not careful, we can listen to what's going on in the news and around the world. And it seems to me, in America right now at least, that we have become um, crisis orientated. Everything's a crisis. And I know, I'm not saying some things aren't of real concern, but it seems to me that what we've done, in the, even at the start of the new year, just you know, politically around the world, with the finances of the economy, with what's happening in, in our nation and what's happening, you know, in our cities, that it seems to me we just go from one crisis to another. And I think about a Bible verse, and it says, Jesus said, in the last days, and, and I have no doubt we are more in the last days than 2,000 years ago. I mean, that's just not hard to say, is it? We are closer to the last days now than we were 2,000 years ago. I think we got to live like Jesus could come back tomorrow. But we ought to plan like he may not come back in our lifetime. And we better leave something of a legacy for the generations to come. If he comes back, we win. If he delays, the world wins. Amen? Because then more people can get saved. Amen? And so I actually think Jesus said, in the last days, men's hearts will fail them for fear. And this is what I feel like we need right now. We need to make sure, we need to understand that God wants us to be resilient. He does not want us to go just addicted to a crisis and living in a crisis mode. And, a cri and sometimes that will mean turning off the TV. That sometimes will mean cutting off some voices and people looking to perpetuate a crisis by finding other crisis. And I want to say that I believe God wants us to be resilient. Amen? And God is looking for a people who will be resilient. So what I said a couple of weeks ago was I believe that God wants us to increase our level of expectation. As we go into 2023, I really feel like it's important that we, the church, the people of God, understand this foundational scripture. Ephesians 3 verse 20. Now unto him who was able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ever ask or think, according to the power that is at work within you. You see, my friend, if the power of negativity and, and fear and recession and doom and gloom based on your political view, if that's the power that's working in you, I want to tell you, all you'll see is an exceeding abundant repeat of the power that's working in you. But if we understand that our God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ever ask or think. Come on, church. That God will meet us exceedingly, abundantly, above anything we could ever ask or think for. I've said this many times. Some people are just still praying prayers like this. God, help me get over my bad temper. Yet the Bible says, God says, ask of me and I'll give you nations. God wants to give us nations. And we're going, God, help me pay the mortgage payment. God, help me get out of debt. God, help me give up chocolate. God, help me get over this. And God wants to give us nations. Church, I want to encourage you and I to make sure that God is able to do above anything you could ask or think 
according to the power that is at work within you. So what is the power that is at work within you? Is it fear? Is it negativity? Is it anxiety? Is it depression? Or is it the power of God that's at work within you where you've got a renewed mind and you understand that God has made you the head and not the tail. He's made you above only and not beneath. That greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world in Jesus' name. Come on, church. Amen. The power of faith, the power of breakthrough. And I really feel like this is a year. 2023 is a year for us to take new ground. And I mean new ground for the supernatural. I mean new ground for your marriage, new ground for your business, new ground for your health, new ground for Wave Church. I'm believing God to fill this place up again in Jesus' name. Come on, church. We're not letting COVID set a new benchmark. We are moving into all that God has for us. Somebody give God some praise. Say new ground. I want you to think about the new ground God would have you take this year. Amen. Think about it. What would, what would be new ground for you this year? And then I want you not just think about what is the new ground, but I also believe the other thought that goes with that is got to think big. And that's what this scripture is saying. God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ever ask or think. So if you're asking for things that are great, and large, and God-filled, and God-driven. That's new ground. But it's a, a, above all that you could ever ask or think. So I've got to make sure that I'm thinking God thoughts, not Steve's thoughts. Come on, somebody say amen. I love that scripture, John 10. The thief comes not but to steal, to kill, and destroy. Let me tell you, he's doing a good job of that today. Amen? But I am not devil conscious. I am God conscious. Jesus said, I've come, however, that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. That life literally means Zoe. It means the God kind of life. Amen? And that you might have it, listen to me, more abundantly. I love that thought. More abundant grace, more abundant forgiveness, more abundant love, more abundant wisdom, more abundant vision. That's the more abundance that I think about when I think about the life that God has for you and me. Amen. It is the will of God for you and I to increase in our lives. It is the will of God for you and I to have an impact and an influence on Hampton Roads and the city of Virginia Beach. It is the will of God that your family is blessed, that your children are walking with the Lord. It is the will of God that you know what it is to be the head and not the tail. It is the will of God that we are, listen, moving into all that God has for us. Can somebody say amen? So the first thought I talked about was we got to think big. And I'm not going to repeat that. If you weren't here two weeks ago, go on to our online. What's it called? How do you get there, Josh? Wave online app. Thank you. Which is what I call the over-the-top platform, but nobody knows what that means. So I call it the technical in-house term. But I don't actually call it, and that's why I always got to ask Josh, Wave Online App. And I'm telling you, that message is there, as is Rob Koch's message, as is a whole plethora. There's a new word, isn't it? A plethora of great teaching in Jesus' name. Amen. So think big. Amen. The Bible says, for a man thinks in his heart, 
In other words, you and I are the product of our thoughts. I mean, here's the Word of God. Look, here it is. Everything pertaining to life, godliness, blessing, overcoming, health, healing, breakthrough. Amen. How to walk through the valleys. How to endure suffering. How to handle persecution. Everything in the Word of God. How to manage your finances. How to raise a family. How to be blessed. Amen. It's all here. God wants all this. It's for you. Everything. Everything is there. But I want to tell you, this Word is shrunk back to our thoughts. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. All of God's promises are yes and amen, but you'll only have what you're thinking. So what are you thinking? We got to be thinking God's thoughts. We got to think big. Somebody say amen. Here's the second thought, and this one I want you to kill because we talked a lot about that like two weeks ago. I want to encourage you to do this one principle. Church, I live by this. I refuse to downsize my dreams. I refuse. Now, I don't mean just Steve Kelly dreams. You say, Steve, how do you know the difference between a God-breathed dream and a Steve Kelly dream? I'll tell you how I know. Number one, a Steve Kelly dream is something that perhaps I might be able to achieve in my lifetime. A Steve Kelly dream, this is the biggest way I know. When I know it's God is when this dream comes back to me even when I'm not thinking about it. It's just all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it just comes. Now, as long as I can think about it, I can get excited. But it doesn't come back to me like when God brings it, he just brings it back to me in most random times. Now, I can talk about something and go, man, that could be really exciting. We, we could do that. We should do that. And I'll talk about it. And as long as I talk about it, I can get excited again. But God dreams are coming to me in the middle of the night. God dreams are reminding me of things. And how I know it's a God dream, it's something I could never achieve in my life with my strength. It is bigger than me. It is, has a legacy attached to it. And it's God-filled in Jesus' name. That's how I know the difference between what's of Steve Kelly and what's of God. The other way I know is through Hebrews chapter 4. The Word of God is sharp even to the dividing of soul and spirit. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, even to the dividing of soul and spirit. So the Word of God is making the distinction that only the Word of God can differentiate or separate that the Word of God is a two-edged sword so sharp it could literally even divide between that which is of your soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. That's you. And the Word of God can separate between that which is of you and that which is of your spirit. Only the Word of God can separate it. Who's ever sometimes thought, was that me? Was that God? Because the soul and the spirit are so intricately entwined with each other that the only thing that can go is the Word of God. So how important is it that we're in the Word of God? Amen? Amen? I remember one time years ago, I was really 
I don't know the right word to say is, I don't know if it's right to say stressed, but I was really trying to weigh up a very important decision in about the vision of Wave Church. And it was when an opportunity came for us to buy the extra seven acres of land that we now own on a Great Neck property. The property was going to cost us, those seven acres was going to cost us $700,000. Church, let me tell you, that land is a lot more valuable than $700,000. Let me tell you how valuable the land on this property is. When we bought the half acre out the front here to get rid of that old house that had a, a gentleman who I love dearly that's gone now to be with the Lord, he used to hang out all of his clothes on a clothesline on a Sunday morning. There would be his underpants out on a clothesline, and he didn't have a drying mat. How many remember... How many, come on, how many remember those days? And I went and I said to Seth, let's buy that man a drying machine so that we don't have to have that visual as people come in. He didn't want the drying machine. He wanted to be aired, all of his laundry out there. And so, bless his heart, when that opportunity came when to buy that property, we, we tried to buy it and somebody else, a developer, had bought it. And then we were offered half a million dollars for that half acre. Did you hear that? And we purchased seven acres for $700,000. So, but at the time, $700,000 may have been 20 million because I was already raising finances to build an epicenter. How many remember the story? And so I was raising finance and I thought well I can't do both that would be putting the I mean I love teaching giving but I don't ever want to teach giving out of perspiration I want to teach giving out of inspiration and so I was like God I, I just don't know what to do because how do you pass on, on on seven acres that will never be available again once it's sold it's sold and how do I now say church instead of building the building we're going to do this and I said God I need you to speak to me. I don't know what to do. And so I was in Seaboard Road, and I'm reading my Bible in Proverbs 24. And I said, God, it needs to be clear. It needs to be specific. It needs to be precise. And I need wisdom. Amen. You just thought all I do is pray and read my Bible to preach sermons. I'm telling you, there's a lot to this. And so I'm in, I'm in church. I open my Bible, and this is what the Bible verse says. Look at it, Proverbs 24. Finish your outdoor work. Get your fields ready. After that, build the house. I got my word. We're going to buy the seven acres. How many glad we got the seven acres today? Amen. Can I tell you, if you ask God for wisdom... Come on, somebody. If you ask God for a God dream, I want to tell you, he'll direct you, he'll lead you, he'll guide you, and the word of God will light up a path for you. That's what the psalmist said. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Come on, somebody. Is anybody believing God to take new ground and think big? Amen. Come here. Look at this Bible verse. I love this. Luke chapter 1. In the time of Herod, the king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah. Let's all say Zach. Who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife was Elizabeth. Everybody say Liz. So we got Zach and we got Liz. 
Now, Hezak was a priestly division of Abijah. In other words, this guy has got generational family of priests in his, in his lineage. You got that? And his wife, the Bible says, was also a descendant of Aaron. Aaron? Aaron's the first priest in the Old Testament. Amen? Well, Melchizedek, I suppose, is the high priest. But in terms of the establishment of the Levite tribe and all that God instituted, it was with Aaron. He was there. And this is where she comes from. You want to talk about good stock. You want to talk about two families, a husband and a wife, who come from ministry, generational descendants. This is the cream de la creme. Are you hearing me? And it says both of them righteous before God, in the sight of God, both of them. Now, I can understand if you looked at Sharon and I, you might believe one of us was that. But I'm looking at this verse going, both of them were righteous. I don't think the Bible wastes words. The Bible's trying to make a clear distinction. This couple were a cut above. Both of them were, were righteous before God. Look at this. Observing all the Lord's commandments and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive. And they were both now very old. I love the King James. I didn't put the King James in there, but I love what the King James says. They were both well stricken in years. Imagine walking up to somebody going, you're well stricken in years. I'm not so sure that would be a compliment if someone said that to me. Praise the Lord. And it says here, once Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God. And he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were together praying outside. So I memorized it in the King James. And it says, and it came to pass, listen to what it says. And it came to pass that while he, that's Zechariah, executed the priest's office in order of, before God, in order of the course, according to the custom. Did you hear what it said? And it came to pass, I was like, this happens, this, you know, been there, done that. You got it? It came to pass that he executed the priest's office. In other words, he had a job, he's doing his job. Before God, in order of the course, in other words, he's done this before, according to the custom. Are you hearing the language? Okay, and it says, and it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God, in order of the course, according to the custom, it was his lot. In other words, they cast lots, and whoever's lot it was, then that person would go and do and execute the priest's office before God, in order of the course, according to the custom. Let me show you what that means if you're wondering. Who's ever driven to work, or maybe even this morning, you drove to church, and when you got here, you don't remember stopping at a single stop sign. You don't remember, you just kind of go, how'd I get here? Did I stop at that? Who's ever been in church, and maybe while the singing's going on, the worship's going on, you're here, but your mind is somewhere else. Who's ever done that? Amen? Like, you know, as, as everything's happening in church, you're thinking about lunch. You're thinking about next week. You're thinking about last week. You're here, but you're not here. Do you know why? Because you've done this so many times. 
in order of the course, executing the priest's office before God. It was his light to burn incense. Are you getting it? I mean, for instance, I'm preaching right now. But how many of you are here, but you're not really here right now? I'll prove it. Who's here? Lift your hand. Those of you who couldn't lift your hand. We know where you're not. Amen? Like you've been there, done that, but you can do it with your eyes closed. That's all it's trying to tell us here. And look what happens. Then, verse 11, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. And the angel said a profound thing, fear not. Angels say dumb things. This is an angelic being who's in the presence of God, who suddenly comes out of the presence of God, an infinite, holy, sovereign, all-powerful, all-knowing, omniscient God. This angel comes down to planet Earth, and he's bringing an announcement to Zechariah. And he sees Zechariah is totally freaked out. I've met people who told me, I just saw an angel. I'm going, no, you didn't. Because if you did, your hair would be standing on the back of its head. You would be as white as a sheet. Every time an angel appeared, people freaked out. If your knees aren't knocking, it probably wasn't an angel. Amen? So Zechariah says, he's freaked out. And the angel says, fear not. Now listen, the Lord has heard your prayer. Did you see that? So this is telling me that this man was praying. And he was praying, and the Bible says, God, he says, your wife Elizabeth will, will bear you a son, and he shall be called John, and he will be a joy and a delight to you, and many rejoice because of his birth. He will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will never take wine or fermented drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And before, and what does it say? Uh, before, the, before he's even born, he will bring back many people of Israel to the Lord their God. He will go before in the power and the spirit of Elijah. He will turn the hearts of the parents to the... This is not just any child. This is John the Baptist. And Zechariah and Elizabeth were praying, God, give us a son. And an angel comes. They were both righteous before God. They walked in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blamelessly. You couldn't fault them. They got the church on time. They were tithers. I love playing golf with Christians, and I go, I'm going to tell you right now, if they're starting to get too close to my school, I say, this shot will reflect whether you tithe. <laughs> I love to play games with people like that because I want to win. And so, I, and, and so imagine that. And, and, but they prayed, God, give us a son. And now many Years later, remember what it said? It came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in order of the course, and Elizabeth was barren. But now this is many, many years later. And they were both old, well-stricken in years. Are you hearing this? And look what happens. 
And, and look what it says. I love this in, in verse 18. And Zechariah said, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man. And Elizabeth is well stricken in years. I mean, God, look at me. Look at her. And not only look at me, look at her, but God, even if it were possible, Elizabeth is barren. How can this be? Now, what would you do if you were that angel? You've been sent from the presence of God to announce the coming of John the Baptist, which would trigger the coming of Christ the Messiah, the one that was written about in Genesis 3 verse 15, that out of the seed of the woman will come someone who will go actually bruise his heel and crush the head of the devil. This would begin the new covenant. The Christ has come. The Messiah is come. The one that was prophesied in every book of the Old Testament that spoke of the concerning Christ that is coming. And now God sends Gabriel and says, Gabriel, go now to Zechariah. He's a good man. He comes from a priestly division. His wife, she's a good woman. She's from the division of from Aaron. And they were both righteous before God. Are you catching the emphasis I'm trying to make? These are good, believing people. They're godly. They were praying for a son. And when the moment of visitation comes, the moment of new ground comes, the moment the breakthrough comes, Zechariah says, how can I be sure of this? How could this possibly happen? I'm old, and so is she. What would you do if you were Gabriel, and you've been waiting since the beginning of time to bring this announcement and good news to this Zechariah? Look what the Bible says. I love it. Look at the Bible verse. He goes, yo, I'm Gabriel. I think, I think this angel was a New Yorker. And listen to what he says. He goes, I've been sent to bring you good news. Listen to what he says. Behold, thou shalt be dumb. As if he wasn't already. Do you know what he was saying? You will be mute. God will not allow you to open your mouth, listen, until my words are performed. Why? Because you didn't believe me. What happened to this both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blamelessly? They downsized the dream. They gave up on their prayer. And when the moment of breakthrough came, when the moment of visitation, when the moment of answer, why? Because they prayed it when they were younger, but they stayed faithful, they stayed consistent, they stayed reliable in the house of God, but they gave up on their prayer. And when God says, it's time, he didn't believe him. And I honestly believe, I know why God had him to be a mute till the day it happened. Because God knew that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And he didn't want Zechariah messing this up with unbelief. So you shall be dumb. I will not allow words of doubt come out of your mouth. And the day 
He says, the angel said, now, when he's born, you'll give him a name, John. And the day that he was born, everyone's going, what's the baby's name? Could you imagine for nine months, this guy's been mute, unable to speak. And the very first word that comes out of his mouth, Zachariah, after nine months, what's his name? John! (laughs) My friends, life and death are in the power of the tongue. I believe you can talk yourself into a miracle, and I believe you can talk yourself out of a miracle. I believe with all my heart. Come on, somebody. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. No wonder the Bible says, if you, plan, if you played the fool and you found evil in your heart, listen to what the Bible says. Put your hand over your mouth. In other words, don't let out of your mouth what is in your heart. Sometimes one of the best things we can do to make sure we don't downsize our dreams is learn how to shut our mouths. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm shutting my mouth. Don't tell them to shut their mouth. Come on, turn. None of you turn. Turn to the person next to you. I'm shutting my mouth. Amen. Are you catching this? Look what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13. All these people, which this is the hall of fame. These are people who live by faith. All these people were still living by faith when they died. Listen, were still living by faith when they died. I love, I love this. They did not receive the things that were promised. How many of you can believe that God can fulfill your dream even after you're dead? I love this. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. Why? Because they didn't downsize their dream. Church, I'm preaching better than you're listening. I want you to hear this. Come on, do not downsize your dream. Keep believing. Keep hanging in there. Keep pressing on. Knock and go on knocking. Ask and go on asking. Seek and go on seeking. I believe prophetically I'm declaring this is a year of new ground for you. And this is a year of new ground for the church. And this is a year where God wants to bring breakthrough like never before. We got to think big and we can't. Let time. I love what it says. It says, whom the world was not worthy of them. I was with a couple last night, Jonathan and Nicole Hudson. I love them. I love them so much. We had dinner with them at Mizuno's, a great sushi place. Really good sushi place. Love it. And Jonathan and Nicole, they've had some real sadness and heartache for many, many years in their family. They, uh, Jonathan lost his brother-in-law through a tragic shooting incident, just awful. And then he lost his nephew, his brother's son, was tragically killed in an accident. And then more recently, Jonathan just lost his brother that went to be with the Lord. He told me the most beautiful story about his brother said, I'm ready to go. It's time. I'm ready to face God. I'm ready to go to heaven. And, and I remember talking to Jonathan Nicole and just asking them, how, how are you doing? How are you, you coping? And 
I want to tell you, sometimes when you squeeze an orange, you find out what's really in the orange. And I tell you, when you squeeze a Christian, you find out sometimes what's really in them. And all that coming out of them, of course, is heartache. Of course, is grief. But let me tell you, all as I saw coming out of them last night, all I heard them say last night is, we love Jesus. And what I love what they said, we realize heaven is more real and eternity is far longer than earth life will ever be. And I want to encourage you, the Bible says the world is not worthy of people who go to their grave believing God for the promises of God. Jonathan said, I'm going to pray every day for healing. I'm going to believe every day for a breakthrough. But God, at the end of the day, I trust you. I trust your foreknowledge. I trust your wisdom. I got to tell you, that's, that's faith. A faith that cannot embrace the grave, listen to me, is not a real faith. I will pray for you to be healed. I'm your pastor. I will pray for anyone and everyone to be healed. But my friends, that the reality is there is a time for a man once to die. And then after that, the judgment. I believe in healing. I believe that God wants us healed. I believe God wants us whole. But if we're unable to face the reality of the grave and eternity, then our faith is not a real faith. How do I know? All these died in faith, never having seen the promise, but they saw it at a distance and they judged him faithful that could do it even after they've gone. Come on, somebody, give God some praise. I got to finish this message. This is just a second point. I got a third point. That'll be another day. Do you ever thought about Elisha? Elisha is one of my favorite guys in all the Old Testament. Elijah had an anointing that was unprecedented. Matter of fact, the Bible says that John the Baptist would come in the power of that of Elijah. But isn't it interesting that Elisha says to Elijah, I want a double portion of what you have. I want to tell you, that's someone who's thinking big. And even Elijah goes, dang, you've asked for a hard thing. But if you see me when I go up, you'll know the Lord answered your prayer. And Elijah, all he did was try and lose Elisha. He was rude. He was, he was just, honestly, if you heard the way Elijah spoke to Elisha, you would, I mean, today's generation, we'd be offended. You can't speak to me like that. Amen. But Elisha goes, as, tru as truly as the Lord lives, I will not leave you. I will serve you and follow. You say what you want. Do what you want. Blow me off, but I will not leave you. Now, there was a motive for that. I want twice what he has. Amen? So this request was found in 2 Kings chapter 2. And it refers to this thought of being doubly blessed. Now, this is not a new thought, by the way. This is not some bold, brash. Everyone knows that the firstborn son gets an inheritance of a double portion of everybody else. Everybody in the family gets a portion of an inheritance from dad. But the firstborn son gets double. Now, why does the firstborn son get double? Because if the father, if and when the father dies, that firstborn son is responsible for the well-being of the whole family. Therefore, he's to be resourced with twice as much. And it's not an Old Testament principle. It's in the New Testament. The Bible says the elders who preach the word of God well are worthy 
of double honor. Anybody catching this? So here is Elijah not doing something that's out of the ballpark of familiarity to Scripture. And he's going, I want a double portion. And I don't know if you've ever studied this, but I have. Elijah performed 14 miracles. Did you know that? 14 absolute miracles. And when you read the story of Elisha, Elisha performed up until the day he died, listen to this, 27. And he died. He was one short. Do you know what miracle he was short? It was raising someone from the dead. And you kind of think, oh, well, 27 out of 28? It's not bad. Church, it's not bad. 27 miracles, one short. Elisha dies and he's buried in a grave, in a cave. And look what the Bible says in 2 Kings chapter 13. This is why I encourage you to don't give up in your dream. Don't downside your dream. Listen, come here. Once, while some of the Israelites were burying a man, Suddenly they saw a band of raiders. So they threw the man's body, listen to this, not really knowing whose tomb it was, threw the man's body into Elisha's tomb. And when that deceased man's body touched Elisha's bones, Elisha's in there. The only thing left of Elisha is a carcass. Is a skeleton, dead man's bones, one miracle short. And when this man who was wounded in war was thrown into, of all places, Elisha's tomb, when the dead man's body touched Elisha's bone, the man came back to life again. somebody there was more life in Elisha's dead bones than some Christians I know don't you tell me God can't do it he can do it even after you're gone don't you say I never saw what God promised he can perform it if he said it he will watch out over his word don't dance come on somebody gives God some praise My third point is for another Sunday. And the third point is simply this. Get your soul anchored in hope. I can't wait to preach it. I'm taking my time on this message because it's a prophetic declaration of what 2023 is going to look like. I want this to get into every one of us. I'm telling you, it's in me. Unto Him who was able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ever ask or think. Church, it's a year of taking new ground. Amen. Amen. It's a year of taking new ground. How do we do it? 
We've got to think big in Jesus' name. How do we do it? We've got to think God's thoughts. How do we do it? My thoughts are not your thoughts declared. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. It's not that we can't know the thoughts of God. It's not that we can't know the ways of God. But if we can know His thoughts and know His ways, we've got to elevate our thinking and we've got to refuse to downsize our dream. God can do it even after you're gone. I'm preaching myself happy. Anybody receive the word today? Come on, give the Lord a hand if you receive the word.